Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Oh, fantastic. Hey, so we're, uh, this is going to be our last week of our Citizens in Heaven or Citizens of Heaven series. And uh, who's enjoyed it? I thought it's been great. Um, I know Pastor Dan came last week apparently and, and did a great job, uh, preached a whole lot of good stuff and uh, really just going to sort of platform off the, what he was talking about towards the end of his message, I think it was, on uh, yeah, the importance of, uh, I guess, reaching people for Christ, but more importantly, um, understanding what revival really is. So just to give you a bit of a definition of revival, just so we all kind of have an understanding of what it is. Revival's making alive again those who have been alive but have fallen into what is called a cold or dead state. So in the Christian world, we would use the word revival. um, And I believe often it gets used out of context. The word gets used out of context. We use revival when we gather the church together and say, we're going to have revival meetings. But that's not revival. That's just a bunch of Christians gathering together to do some worship together, which is not wrong by any means. But the reality is revival is something much deeper than just a bunch of Christians gathering together and so calling it a revival meeting. Um, it actually, actually, that is not effective until something much deeper takes place. This is why we can't fabricate what the Bible talks about when it talks about the revival of God's people. We can't fabricate it. We can't just set a stage and think that just because we set the stage, it's going to happen. There has to be something much deeper that takes place because revival is one of those things that happens first in me before it happens out of me and around me. So... So we would use the term revival when we, when we look, at, look at our Christian faith and feel somewhat dead on the inside, that we're not getting any connection with God, that we pray and we don't, we don't feel like we're connecting with God. We, we, would, yeah, we would use this term revival for people who, are, who God, they, they create space for God to come into their life and stir up the gift and stir up that passion once again, that fire on the inside to pursue Him. Uh, often, you know, the greatest example of revival in a believer's life, in someone's life, is when they were born again. And the Bible talks about that we must be saved, that we must be born again. And if you ever meet somebody that's just given their life to Christ for the next, at least next 12 months of that decision, after that decision, they're just on fire. They just love, they want to talk about God. They want to tell everybody. They want to just, there's no rules anymore. They just don't care. They just, they just had this encounter with God that set them ablaze. And, and, and we would call that revival. That's what revival is. Revival always takes, starts first in a place in the church before it will ever infiltrate society, before it will ever go out there. So I wanted to talk about that today because, you know, we've been talking about are we in end times? Yes, we are in end times. We've talked about that. The Bible's clear that from the, from the book of Acts right through to now, we're in the, in the last days, the Bible says. And uh, in those last days, certain things will happen. Pastor Dan, I think, would have talked about some of that last week. And... Uh, but we cannot give this, this topic, we cannot give this topic um, 
due diligence if we do if we fail to talk about the desperate need for the church to step into revival to, re- to come into revival and to reach lost people to reach the world for God because the reality is this this uh, uh, you know the book of revelation is predominantly talking to Christians but not to 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 st- to sort of puff us up or make us feel good about ourselves, but to describe the need for the Christian, for a Christian to, to be able to feel a stirring on the inside to reach others for Jesus. You've got to understand that it's very, very, very important that our faith is activated to a point where we will reach out to others and share Christ with them. And, and, and I don't just mean like spewing Bible verses at people or telling people they're sinners or telling people they're doing the wrong thing, but I mean the genuine love and affection of Christ for somebody even in their mess. That, 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 that true revival, you know when you're in revival, why? Because your heart is for other people. It's not just about me, but it's about everybody around me. So, you know, I want to talk about this being ready for revival. Ready for revival. Come to Psalms 85 verse 4 and uh, to 6. We see this passage and the Israelites are in a bit of a, coming out of a bit of a bad situation And these words were written, it says, Restore us again, God our Saviour, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger uh, through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? So the Israelites, they felt like God was against them. They felt like things weren't working out. And then they, 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 these words are written and it's like, will you revive us again? Lord, would you come and do it again? Would you come and stir us again? Would you bring that fresh fire again? Would you start to revive your people again? You know, there's a, there's a thing about revival that, that becomes a desperation on the inside of us that we become hungry for God to move again in our world, that we become hungry for God to reach the people around us, that we become thirsty for the things of God. The Bible says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for, for the things of God, for they will be filled. It's what that thirst and that hunger on the inside. You need to be hungry, thirsty for God. You remember that ad? It was a milk drink ad, wasn't it? Hungry, thirsty. Don't be hangry, be hungry, thirsty. Be hungry, thirsty. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Talk about the revivals of old. Talk about it's in that place when God did this thing and that thing. But if he can do it then, if he can do it that way, then why can't he do it now? Why can't we be revived right now? Now, get in my understand, I'm not talking about putting up a tent and calling a revival meeting. I'm talking about the tent of your heart being set ablaze for God. I'm talking about people that are Christian that no longer settle for mediocre faith, but actually start to stir up on the inside to say, I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to be someone for God. I'm going to do what He's calling me to do. And I'm going to push aside things that take me away from the call of God. And I'm going to pursue what He has for me because I know this, that I want to be passionate for God. I want to get to the finish line, more on fire, more hungry, more thirsty, and more, with more desire in my heart than when I started. I don't want the greatest days of my Christian faith to be the year after I got saved. 
that would be a, a crying shame, as the song says. If I get to the end of my life and the greatest time of my Christian walk was the year after I got saved and gave my life to Jesus. And it was all downhill from here. Right. She's like, preach it. <laughs> well, I'll just pretend that's what she's saying. I don't really know what she's saying. <laughs> they come to Acts 2.14. We're going to just drop into this verse here. It's, it's a great passage of Scripture. It's after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost when they were all gathered in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came into the room. They were filled with the tongues of fire came upon them and they were filled and started speaking in other tongues. We refer to that as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came in power. Um, but it wasn't just about a head knowledge of the Holy Spirit. There was an encounter not just with Jesus, not just with God, but with the Holy Spirit and something significant shifted in the life of Peter, especially in this passage um, that I'm going to refer to. His life was turned upside down when he encountered the Holy Spirit. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. So they came out, a bit of a background, as they came out of the upper room, baptised in the Holy Spirit. First thing Peter does is he steps up to the crowd and he addresses the crowd. And he says, people of God, he brings them together and he, he brings them in and it says, he says these words, he says, fellow Jews and all who uh, live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose they are. It's only nine in the morning. Oh, I've known people that get drunk at that time in the morning. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken about the prophet Joel, from the prophet Joel, by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, God's, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming and the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's interesting that this is coming from Peter. Because up until this point, Peter had fallen into position of a coward. When Jesus was, was getting, you know, Jesus was arrested three times, someone come out to Peter and said, aren't you with Jesus? No, 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 I'm not, not with Jesus. He renounced his faith. He renounced Christ. He, he, he disassociated himself from Christ. He, he entered the position of a coward. He entered the position of somebody that had fallen from grace. He entered the position where he denied Christ and he was a failure in his own sight. He, he, he felt shame and, and, and just felt guilty. And, and, and here we are, he comes into the upper room, this person that was broken, this person that had done the wrong thing, this person had said the wrong things, knowing full well in himself that he he had denied Christ and knowing Christ and that he had, you know, in his own kind of understanding, failed the faith to stand up for Christ and to stand in a place of victory, a place of persecution. But then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and something shifts in Peter's life. Something shifts in him and his life is transformed forever. He has this encounter with the Holy Spirit and he goes from being this cowardly, you know, regretful 
broken man who had done, had done the unspeakable to being this man that was bold enough to stand up before all of, all of Jerusalem, all the Israelites that were there, and proclaim Christ to them all and to show them where the error of their way was. Here's a man that would not confirm he knew Christ, but has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, boldness hits him, and he says, I stand for Jesus. He says, and this is why, and you need to understand this, 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 and this. You got it wrong and you need to turn your hearts to God and repent and come to Him and give your lives back to Christ because you got it wrong. You killed the Saviour of the world. You killed the Messiah and you need to come and repent that. We see this move of God come out of Peter to the point where 3,000 people get saved in one meeting, one moment. Peter didn't come out and say, all right, guys, this is a revival meeting. There's no such thing. They didn't have anything in there called that. Already revived. He was already renewed in his faith. He was already on fire for God. And he steps out and he preaches the word of God. The Holy Spirit moves. He's a different man. People don't understand when, how someone can get saved, change much. How can they be so different? Why do they not care about that anymore? Why do they not struggle in, with that anymore? They, they used to get like they used to get ticked off and go off their head, but but now they just kind of smile and whatever, and just move on in life. What what has changed for that person to be transformed? And it's this: it's an encounter with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit that transforms your life forever. There were two encounters with the Holy Spirit. The first, you cannot get saved without him. He leads you to salvation. But the second is this encounter, which the Bible talks about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of power. It's the encounter of power. You don't have this when you get saved. It's different. And God is saying, this is for you. Because this brings revival into your life. How do you know you need revival? How do we know we need it? Well, I haven't read my word in weeks, months. I haven't really prayed. I don't pray that much. I haven't shared my faith with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. These are all indications that we need God to come and revive us in our spirit because the natural overflow of God encountering us in that way of the Holy Spirit is an outpouring of God into the world. And so we need to just face up to the fact, where is our life at? How long do we want to sit in this position as a Christian? And do we want to actually be on fire for God? Because the opportunity is there for us to live this life on fire for Him. To live this life that doesn't just walk through the earth, but impacts the earth. Doesn't just encounter people, but Peter, people encounter God through you. Because you are carrying the Holy Spirit into this world and you are ready to, and willing to share and use it for people's lives to be transformed. And this is a promise in the last days. Exactly what we've been talking about. End times, last days, we are citizens of heaven. And the promise of God is that He will pour out His Spirit on all people. 
that he will pour out his spirit and, and you will prophesy and see, you see visions and you'll dream dreams and, and, and people, all that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is revival. Revival starts in the heart of an individual believer. It's in here when we say, you know what? I need to be born again again. I need to actually come back to God and I need to say to Him, Lord, help me. I'm sorry for the lack of passion. I'm sorry for the lack of zeal. I'm sorry for the lack of fire. I'm sorry I've allowed other things to distract me. But Lord, today I come back to You and I ask You to fill me again with the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask You to fill me again with the fire of God so that I'm on fire and I'm passionate again for Your kingdom. So God first brings it privately, personally, before it manifests corporately in a gathering. So I can build a building, I can put up a tent, I can, I can tell people this is going to be a revival meeting, but if it has not taken place in here, it is not going to take place out there. Because revival is first personal before it's corporate. It's first in me before it's in, in, in the world. It's for, it, I must come to a place where I start to hunger for the things of God more than the things of this world. Lord, do it again. Revive us again. Will you not revive us again, says the psalmist? Will you not revive us? First revival happens in you. In Psalms 51.10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me, Lord. Create in me a pure heart. Cleanse me, Lord repentance, coming to God and admitting that, yes, I've gone cold. In the book of Revelation, Jesus comes to a church and says, well, you're lukewarm. You're a lukewarm church. I would prefer you to be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. But he says, return to the things you did in the beginning. Jesus takes them back to the beginning. He says, do those things. Why? Because in the beginning, who remembers what the beginning was like? And it was great. That first 12 months of being a Christian, like I said, unbelievable. Everything you prayed for happened. Everything you did was like, oh, God, yeah, great, amazing, awesome, all this kind of stuff going on. People listening, you know, you're offending people because you're talking about Jesus too much. Saddest thing is sometimes the church tells someone like that, whoa, calm down there, sport. You're a little bit too zealous. You're a little bit too... And you know what happens? That person calms down. Not when they, what they should be doing is ramping up. No, who cares if they're a little bit zealous? We don't want to be like stuffy Christians in a room that doesn't want to have anything out of the usual happen because it offends us. Or, or we want to be like the world if, you know, we say one thing wrong and we get a pronoun wrong. You're offended. Couldn't care what you are. Be a Christian. Follow the Lord. Sort your life out. God first brings revival in me. And revival leads to renewal. God, renew the church. No, God, first revive it. You can't renew something that's already dead. 
You can't put new life into something that's, that's got no breath, or God can. We first need to be revived to take something that is almost dead, that almost has lost all its fire, that almost has lost all its passion, and the Spirit of God comes in and stirs you up again. Stirs you up again. I don't need big arenas for this because I want it to happen in here on my in here and then and then what I want it to do when I walk outside I want it to to infiltrate people's worlds I want it to just be a natural part of my life I don't want a pastor to have to stir me up I don't want to have to have a band have to stir me up to call something revival if I'm last I'm relying on this on Sunday I've already lost it it should be in my prayer life. It should be in my devotional life. It should be in my family life. It should be in my relational life. It should be in my work life. Everywhere I go, I'm on fire. I'm, ha- I'm seeking God. I'm believing God. I'm, and God is moving through me. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are moving. Prophecy's happening and, and healings are taking place. And I'm in faith for things that are moving. And things are happening. Why? Because I'm on fire for God. I'm on fire for God. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a a new spirit in you. I will give you a new spirit. I will give you a new heart. I will transform you. I was reading something the other day. They put a, a pig's heart in somebody and they lasted for like four weeks with a pig's heart. New heart. That's not the type of heart God wants to give you. I don't even know why I'm telling you. I just thought it was interesting. God wants to give you a new heart. He's, the Bible, this verse actually goes on to say, I'm going to take out your heart of give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a heart that can feel. I'm going to give you a heart that is not hard towards people. I'm going to give you a heart that is not hard towards God. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. It's soft. It's malleable. It's, it's moldable. You can feel with that heart. The heart that God gives us is a heart that feels what God feels. It beats with what God beats. It, 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 God's hunger is for lost souls. My heart is soft for lost people. My heart is soft for healing so that that person with cancer, I'm going to pray for them. Why? Because my heart is soft because God has given me a new heart. I'm in revival. I'm on fire for God. And that's the type of church that we are. In Luke 24, 22, it says, they asked each other, were, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us. This is the Scripture where Jesus had come back from the dead and these two men are on the road to Emmaus. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns up, but they don't realise it's Jesus, but he's talking to them and their hearts are on fire. And he's unravelling all the Old Testament and all these Scriptures. And they're oblivious to the fact that it's Jesus at this moment. But they're like, their hearts were burning within them. And then Jesus leaves and then it dawns on him, that was Jesus. And they go, we should have known because was not our hearts burning within us? This is the type of thing that is revival. 
It's when you open the Word of God and you start reading this thing and your heart comes alive with just passion and zeal. You start to feel the fire of God raise up on the inside. You get into worship and you, you got your hands lifted and you, you, you're lost in the presence of God. Why? Because you just want a touch from heaven. You just want something from God to bring transformation. You want to be somebody for Him. You want to do something for Him. You want to leave this place and not think, well, next Christian experience is next Sunday. But you're like, no, my next Christian experience is when I walk out the doors. I used to know a pastor from somewhere overseas. I didn't know him, but I know of him. And, and he used to have a sign on his top of his door. When you walked in, you didn't see it. When you walked out, he said, welcome to the harvest field. And it was like this idea that when you leave the building, you're walking out into a place where they don't know God. And we are his representatives. Do you realise when Jesus left, nearly everything that God did after Jesus went back to heaven was done through the disciples? That's amazing. He barely did, there's barely anything else. There are a few things that take place, but, but generally it's like the disciples did it, right? The disciples were the ones that started the church. Jesus empowered it, but the disciples were the physical beings doing it. The church never would have started if the disciples were lukewarm. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> like one third of our nation is Christian, right? Last sense, one third of our nation is Christian. We would confess that they're Christian, whatever form that looks like. Imagine the first guy that started the church in Australia decided, eh, nah. Let's go. Sounds like an Aussie thing to do, right? <laughs> we got to start the church in the pub. <laughs> Who knows, it probably could have been where it started. I have no clue. <laughs> a long time back. Who knows? But the church never started if there was a lukewarm heart in the disciples. The only way things happen is with passionate believers who are on fire for God. When you want revival, be revival. Oh, we want to see revival of old. I hear it all the time from people. We want to see, oh, the, you know, Azusa Street, which is a revival took place years and years and years ago and there was lots of crazy stuff that happened and God moved and thousands and thousands of people got saved. We want revival like that here, yeah? What are you doing about it? Uh, I'll come to church on Sunday. Yeah, okay. Do you pray in the week? Oh, no, I don't have time to pray. Hey, i like, got to go to work and stuff. Do you read your Bible? No, because I've got the Reader's Digest and that's, that's interesting. And the Woman's Day, of course, the Woman's Day, I've got to see what happened with Sandra Bullock's in her world this week and, and, and Pamela Anderson. I've got to know what happened with her. Or, or, or I've been reading, yeah. Or, or let me scroll through the 5,000 people I know on Facebook that don't actually know me and see what they're up to in their life. Who said it was true? Someone said, <laughs> are you feeling conviction? <laughs> I'm guilty of it. Getting on my phone, flicking through whatever. Some of it's good, like Candy Crush, pretty cool. I don't know. <laughs> I'm stuck on level 340. I can't get past it. <laughs> but when this... 
picked up more than this, we're not in revival. We just have to be honest with ourselves. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking to you as much as I'm speaking to myself, right? Because as I'm saying, I'm feeling convicted by God to say, you are spending too much time on this. The first revival happens in us. I think I missed the second. Oh, no, I didn't. Revival happens through us. First happens here, and it'll happen here before it happens out there. Acts 2.14 says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. We read this scripture a minute ago. Peter had this encounter with the Holy Spirit that took place here. But then it started to move through him to those around him. He speaks these words and he becomes this carrier of revival to the people he encounters. In Philippians says, Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God works in us to get it through us. I've heard it said God gets it to us to get it through us. We're like revolving doors for heaven. Revolving doors. You ever gone through a revolving door? How tricky are revolving doors? I get they get me every time. One leg in, one leg out, shake it all about, get stuck in the middle. I don't know. Revolving doors are not great for me. You know, because someone gets in there and they want to push a little bit harder and it means they go a bit faster, but you're a bit slower and all of a sudden you're getting, whoa, whoa, like, like that. God who works in you and he does it for you to fulfill the purpose he has for you but let me tell you it's not just a personal fulfillment of something it's an external fulfillment of God's will on the earth it was through the disciples that people were healed it was through the disciples that people were saved it was through the disciples that people were set free it was through the disciples that the church grew it was through the disciples that people's lives were transformed. It was through the disciples. Jesus said to them in Matthew 10, 8, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, release those with leprosy, <coughs> cleanse those with leprosy, sorry, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely you must give. God gives us nothing just for ourselves. We benefit from it. We receive from it. But it's never just for us. It's always got the attachment of give it to someone else. I got healed. Well, pray for sick people. Why? Because you got healed, so what's on you can get on them. That's why giving so important financially. Because it's not just about me, but it's what God can do through me. It's what God will use those finances for. The last thing is revival around you. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in your home. Is that what it says? No? doesn't, does it? No, no, I was waiting for someone to answer me. I'm like, hello, do we read our Bibles? <laughs> Right, yeah? So it says, it says, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. 
If I'm not in revival, I'm going to find it really hard to be a witness in Jerusalem, which was their local suburb, their local town, city, whatever you want to call it. If I'm lukewarm, I'm not even a witness to my street, my block. If I will not reveal Christ in my world because I'm not on fire and I'm, I'm just in a lukewarm position, my neighbours won't even know who Jesus is and that I live for him. Never loan the ends of the earth. Sounds crazy. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to be a missionary. It's great. Dude, that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm going to go to Africa. When the neighbourhood needs it, just as much as the Africans do. When their workplace needs it, just as much as their neighbour does. Just as much as the Filipinos do. When we can get in our head that it's our own sphere of influence that God has put us in, is where we're meant to be, then we're going to see God do things for his kingdom. When we stop thinking that revival is out there externally that's going to come and impact on me, instead of having the biblical understanding that revival starts in here and goes out there and impacts on them. Somebody's in agreement. (laughs) I love that she talks now. She's like, this is what your preaching sounds like. (laughs) Jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber. God is preparing his church and his people. I'll take away the church and actually say people. Personalise it more for us. To be prepared for revival. First step of revival is where am I at? Facing the reality of where my faith is at. God, I'm lukewarm. Own it. Admit it. Some of us might go, oh God, I'm not lukewarm. I'm a little bit warm. There's a bit of fire going on. So great, own it. Admit it. Why? Because until we realise the starting point, how do we know how to move forward in faith? How do we know what, it, what it's going to take to get to that next level? There was a little girl, sorry, there was a group of pastors many years ago, somewhere, somewhere, I don't know where. I remember he, I heard this story, I thought it was a great story. And they, the town that they were in was in severe drought. And for two years, the pastors and the churches, they waited, they waited, they waited, they waited for rain. But nothing happened. One day, a pastor had a great idea. Let's gather all the ministers in the city, all the Christians that want to come, and let's pray for rain. We're going to pray for rain. So they turn up, they all gather, they're sombre, they're, you know, it's been years of drought, the farmers are doing it tough because their crops are dying, their livestock have died, and, you know, it's just the, the ground is like dust and dirt. And uh, anyway, they, they come together and they're praying for rain. And they're going, God, send rain and this and that, and they're praying and they're taking it in turns. And then the pastor that was leading it, he looked up and he noticed this little girl down the back. And she's down the back and she, she had a, um, 
She had an umbrella with her. And she's just sitting in the back and the umbrella was rolled up and it was just sitting next to her on the chair. And the pastor comes up to her and says, how dare you? How dare you be so thoughtless? And she's like, what do you mean? He said, these farmers have been struggling for so long, so hard. They've lost livestock and grain and they're broke financially. Some of them are losing their farms. We've gathered here to pray for rain. We've gathered here for God to do something. And you've shown up with an umbrella. How insulting is that to people who are doing it hard right now? How insulting. Why? How could you do that? And she turns to the pastor and she says, do you want to know what's insulting, pastor? He goes, no, what? She said, the fact that you're praying for rain, but you didn't come prepared. (laughs) You know what's insulting to God? The fact that we pray for revival, but we don't come prepared. We would be better to never ask God for revival again. I feel so convicted right now. Are you ready and prepared to be the revival that God has created you to be? We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.